Tommy. Buenas noches. You're not in liberty now. Yeah. We do things differently. We need to watch each other's back. You work for me now. Welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. This is your weekly news and chatter episode of the week commencing the 22nd of February. As usual, we'll briefly chat about what we've been playing over the past week and then take a look at the news from the video games world over the past week. I'd like to welcome our regular regular guests, uh, Lee, Kev and Andy. Evening, guys. Hello, Mark. Hello, gents. Evening. Hello. So, Andy, do you want to start us off with what you've been playing? Yeah, well, first game I have played would be the Skylanders Superchargers and that completes the series as it is at the moment so this is the one that features cars in it um, the massive transformation in the format it's still got the um, wandering around it's still got all the eight elements but this time it features cars um, land air and water so to unlock everything you need um, basically three extra cars and you can use your all your old um, Skylanders from the past series. Um, yeah, it's very good. I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of they've introduced and implemented the car bits really well into it. Um, so you got a lot of races going on, um, time trials. You got a lot, quite a lot of few arena battles. Um, so it was fun. It was better than Trap Team, put it this way. Is uh, is this the one that's on? Um, Nintendo platforms as well is this the first one that they yeah. did that partnership where like I don't know the Amiibo somehow attached to the yeah but always oh, there set ones that you get I can't remember all I remember is um, what is it Reggie showing them off at E3 yeah they, they looked cool actually like yeah. they, you know the way they were on vehicles as well yeah this is where um, I think you get Bowser and somebody else I mean, is it? Donkey Kong isn't yeah. it I mean he's an Amiibo and they are a um, Skylander essentially so the Wii U gets a special pack um, so I'd, I'd recommend it I mean I picked this up for 16 just over 16 pounds a couple of weeks ago off Amazon so it is getting quite heavily reduced it's quite quick though it's quite short it's not a, and it's not a difficult game unlike some of them um, but it's a lot of fun I mean it can go online I tried to have an online game um, but no one's there so that <laughs> so you can have like your Mario Kart um, party, you know, go karting elements in it as well. So you got your online, you got your time trials and stuff. There's loads of stuff to unlock, like all the previous games. Um, if I'm going to say it's not the best one out of the series, but it's by what I would say the developer who's taking the most risks. I can't, I can't remember which one it was. It might be Vicarious Visions or something. They're the co-developer of Skylanders. Um, so. Yeah, it's enjoyable. If you could pick it up for cheap, I'd, I'd pick it up. Um, in particular, this one. You know, if you're into car racing, you go karts. I know you like are with your Mario Kart. So I'd give this a go. The handling's really good on it. Um, and so um, when you said like you could play through the story mode, then I take it and finish that. Have you? Yeah, yeah. You can play through with what you got. So I just, I just had the land-based car. So um, you can play through with that and just you kept, you can upgrade it with. Uh, the coins you pick up and 
you can up upgrade your Skylander and if you get the right Skylander in the right car it supercharges it you can change tyres you can change the back of it it, it's, it is a, it is a good, really good game um, and if you're into Skylanders you want to unlock everything you're going to have a lot of fun a lot more fun than you had with Trap Team the only thing is I mean I was looking at the Activision news, news story a couple of weeks ago and they did say it hasn't sold as well as they expected and I had a quick look at these sales figures from VJ Charts it seemed to be one of the lowest selling maybe that's why it's so heavily reduced yeah I mean obviously the the whole competition in the toys the life market has just ballooned massively but I mean I, I was just going to go back a second I'm just curious so what was your like trophy percentage having completed the story mode how many of the achievements did that give you because oh, I assume you played this on PS4 did you yeah I played it on PS4 I think um, it was about 49% yeah. so still a lot of replay value then even within that yeah I think I only did about 10% of the game it is like a Lego game yeah you know you're going to have you complete the main storyline and you're going to have hundreds of things to do anyway to unlock everything so hmm. and if you're really you know like you're really into it, it you can keep you going for ages and it's great fun with the kids yeah, especially this one I would say they are co-op co-op games oh right so um, you can have a lot of fun they made use of the traps as well so the traps will add um, from the last game they will add an extra weapon for a limited time onto your car so they've made use of previous you know variations and everything so it's not as much of a rip off then as the trap team was no no because at least you can you still get to use them again yeah you get to use them <laughs> again and you don't seem like I said you don't seem to have to have to buy it as much on this one no that's yeah. pretty good then so you know, if you plan it accordingly, you, you don't have to buy as much. I mean, as a series, it is enjoyable. Um, if I'm going to rank them, I'm going to put put Swap Force as the best. Swap Force was the best. It's like the Ratchet and Clank of it. And if you like Ratchet and Clank, that type of gameplay, I'd recommend that. You can pick that up for cheap these days. Then I'd probably put this one as second. And then probably Spyro's Adventure, the first one. Giants and then Trap Team. But yeah, if you were to play, if you to, if you wanted to get into it, I'd recommend Swap Force and um, Superchargers as the best one. But I think they've got a problem with this um, in the sense of as a as a franchise, they were the first ones of the market. So the first two years they were you know coining it in, but we had it all to themselves. And then as Lego and Disney have come out and used their stronger brand names, stronger franchise, it seems it's sort of whittled into their market a bit. Mm. And now we've got a TV series coming out um, this year. I think maybe they've missed the boat. Yeah, a bit. sounds a bit after the fact, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, because we've, got, we've worked really hard in developing personalities and different abilities for all these characters and there's so many I, I can't I don't even count them but it seems we needed to have a bit more impact in the wider um, entertainment sector you know to really secure it as a brand and tackle Marvel Star Wars Lord of the Rings all you know the Lego brands and mm. I don't think I think they might have missed a boat a bit I hope not because they are decent games they are fun to play yeah I, I mean I, I think that's in some respects yeah having like a broader media strategy where you would encompass TV is not necessarily a bad thing but it, it would, it's going to be like the final now in the coffin in a sense if it's a bad TV show <laughs> they certainly don't need that so I guess it depends who the creative team are behind that and again that's the whole the whole kind of um, anime 
animated child TV show market is awash. Um, a lot again, the quality varies dramatically, but that's already a very um, kind of overpopulated with different competing franchises. Well, they were always going to struggle once other companies joined in because if you can compare to the other Toys to Life brands, and you've got Amiibo based on long-established and, and beloved Nintendo characters, yeah. Lego Dimensions based on everybody. <laughs> yeah, and, and now Disney, who have got pretty much every franchise every other franchise available <laughs> yeah. under their wing now um, they've got these these long established and beloved characters that they can build their games around whereas Skylanders is well apart from Spyro and a few of the characters from the old games I couldn't I don't think I'd recognise a single character from the, the Skylanders games no and that's a problem I think it had the, had the series say two years ago yeah yeah. and they developed the characters so They'd been stronger, you know. Kids would have related more to him, would have understood him more. I think would have had stronger, um, a stronger franchise this time. I also think maybe because we split the developers, I think with Trap Team it came out as a bit of a disappointment to the fans. You sort of, it's almost like as it jumped. I know it's a movie term, but jump the shark. (laughs) You know, in terms of oh, you have one, you have a dip. And can they recover that dip? You know, sort of haven't recovered it with, with superchargers. Will the next one help them? I mean, we're looking at Activision, the other big series, Call of Duty. They've said the Black Ops 3 has helped them immensely. It's, it's recovered the sales. Now, this is what we need to do with Skylanders. And whether that I'd, I'd, the next one is due from the developers of the um, Trap Team. I believe this year so there's a lot of pressure I mm. presume on that game I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't think they were launching another one at all I just thought this was going to be the last one and that's it I'm surprised they're still carrying on I suppose they're getting loads of money still from the toys yeah that's it I mean they are cross platform and the NFC figures you can just pay them on anything so they've always got a constant dream of income from them I suppose yeah I mean I would recommend it I mean you could I picked up Spyro's Adventure for the first one for £2.50 Wow. <laughs> wow. Andy, even, uh, by, even by your standards, that's a bit of a bargain. <laughs> yeah, it was a, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, but I'd never spent more than 20 quid on any set. <laughs> so I picked them up as the new one was coming out, and I just picked this one up when it was £16 for Amazon. I just thought I'd give it a go, you know. So if you if you mark if you're careful with it, you can, you can get the whole series, you know, for cheap mm. and all that. And you and you can and even if you just complete the main storyline, you're going to get a lot of gameplay out of it. It is an interesting, fun type of franchise. Like I said, I'd probably recommend Swap Force to anyone as the best one, and I'd recommend this one as well. You know, because of the car element. Yeah. But the others are a bit more of a rustic, stately type of uh, platformer, mm. I would say. Well, you've certainly, you know, served your time with the uh, franchise, you're playing them all kind of back-to-back, so I bet you're uh, happy to move on and play something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll come back to it when we release a new and it goes down under 20 quid. So. <laughs> About two weeks later, then. Probably, at this rate, the way it's going. <laughs> So uh, I've been playing through uh, a bit of uh, Bayonetta 2. Friend of the show, uh, Carl Moon from the excellent Kane and Rinse podcast, sent me a copy of it um, for the Wii U. So I've played through about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Uh, and I understand you've, you've played through a bit as well, Kev. 
I have, yeah. About the same as you, actually. Uh, I've got past the um, prologue. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's just the best mail you could possibly get through your box first thing in the morning, surely. Yeah. That's, that's a great gift. <laughs> but, wow, yeah, what an incredible game. I can't really say too much about it, but it, it, it's utterly, <laughs> utterly insane. It's batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of, like, I didn't finish Bayonetta 1, so I don't really know how that story ended. Once you get past the prologue of, of Bayonetta 2, it starts with... Bayonetta doing Christmas shopping yeah. in, I think, New York. Yep. And then um, some there's a flyover for some jets, and then one of the jets comes to crash into a shop, and then Bayonetta stops it, and then is flying around the city, standing on top of a jet, <laughs> fighting giant, gigantic angels. Yep. Um, it's it's utterly bonkers. You can't, like, you can't even describe. You can't even say where to start with it, can you? Because you, you, no, you've got no frame of reference at all. This is just so out there. It's like yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the screens, the screens that I've seen, like all, when I've seen the game, kind of in motion. It is, it is like crazy busy. But oh kind yeah, of like balletic mm. and beautiful yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time. I, I think it did actually top, or it was among um, like Nintendo only. Uh, gamers of course uh, it mm. was high up I think on many people's games of the year like for last year because it was last year did it come out or was it the year before that yeah I think so I think yeah. it was last year yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, um, I think I probably got in even less far into the original Bayonetta than you Mark I think I did the <laughs> prologue of that game but I played it on PS3 and there was like a it was it wasn't very uh, well ported and then I can mm. remember I had to wait for hours to get like a patch download and I think uh, right. even then I'm not 100% sure what the stability was like but uh, I think I just kind of lost interest in it so yeah it was um it's definitely like something I feel like I've missed out on in a way and then again I guess because Bayonetta 2 is a that's a console exclusive that a yeah. lot of people aren't going to get to play it necessarily so is it like a hidden gem then or like oh, a definitely. less played gem yeah mm. definitely um, I mean I played it on 360 the original and um, that works fine but my god the combinations it is just basically a button basher's wet dream <laughs> yeah because yeah. You, you can just throw anything at it and it'll throw out the most craziest looking combos but this playing at a 2 the They've toned it down a bit, you know, you've not suddenly got exploding beds or um, rivers of fire coming through from a move. You know, it seems to be a bit more sort of kick-punch orientated, doesn't it, so far? Well, you say that, but then once you get into the higher echelons of some of the combos, then she's creating portals <laughs> through which yeah. a giant version of her stiletto foot comes through, <laughs> made out of hair, and stomps on yes. enemies. Um, the gameplay itself is is incredibly tight. I, d- I didn't expect anything else from Platinum, um, having played mm. games like Vanquish and, and Metal Gear Rising. I haven't played Transformers Devastation, but uh, I understand it's, the gameplay in that is incredibly tight as well, but it's just... I'm not very good at character action fighting games, but this one I'm kind of getting to grips with. The, the whole witch time mechanic of dodging out of the way of an attack just at the last second to be able to get yeah. a few seconds of, of um, the enemies being slowed down so you can get in a, a flurry of attacks. It's <laughs> just so, so tight. And how does the um, co-op work? Because you guys said that you might be able to play through the uh, campaign co-op, is that right? Yeah, we haven't had a chance yet. 
Not a chance. No. <laughs> Both of us way too busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we will get some of that played soon. Defo. But um, I'll, I'll uh, talk about it more once I've played a bit more of it. But uh, like I said, I've only got about an hour and a half in, so barely scratched the surface. But really, really enjoying it so far. Yep, same here. It's amazing. For fear of sounding like a stuck record, <laughs> I'll be brief because uh, I, I took the hint with Kev speeding up my audio at the start of the last episode. People have had enough of uh, hearing me talk about Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, but uh, I am still making my way through that. Um, on to chapter three, which uh, I think I thought I'd have the game finished by the time we recorded this show, mm-hmm. and I, I certainly did try. Uh, but it's ended up, it's actually twice as long as the uh, previous two chapters, so obviously this is where the game is kind of like becoming uh, more bulky in its, its duration, and it is getting harder. I'm having to now go back and collect every last gem of the first two chapters in order to be able to progress to the later levels. I think there was, there's like 28 odd levels in this one and then again you've got two more best boss fights against um like the red dragon dragadon returns and he's gold this time and then i'm i am expecting to face off against the the pigeon or whatever it is like wingo character <laughs> towards the end so I, i'm still really enjoying it um and it's just a, a pleasure to play through because of the, the level design it's they're getting harder they're getting crazier i mean there's one on that i'm on at the minute where um the whole kind of world rotates itself um and you're in these kind of like little windows that have ledges and you have to position yourself just in the right one to fall from one to the other and they're color coded and i'm i'm hoping i can work out whatever the system is but at the minute i just keep falling to my death <laughs> after it's turned around <laughs> like a windmill a few times but uh yeah um looking forward to you know finishing it up hopefully soon and um, then you know seeing what these bonus episode stages are like that Jack said that uh, you unlock when you finish episode 3 but really that's kind of all I've got to say on the game for now but yeah br- brilliant title really enjoying it and um, it's actually lasting me a lot longer than I thought it would do uh, originally so um, on my continuing quest through Lego um, I have been first of all 100% in Lego Batman 2 oh god that's huge congratulations yeah I completed it didn't 100% it though Um, I haven't got very I haven't got very about (laughs) 95.8 I think I've got a couple of free peer levels left to do and then a couple of characters and it's all done Think of about eight block, eight gold bricks away from two hundred and fifty or something. Fantastic! There's four hundred and eighty on dimensions, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Gives you an idea of the scope. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Lego Batman Two. I mean, I completed the story with my brother um, a few months ago, and what I like doing is just going back to these games and just dipping in now and getting to a hundred percent. So this was the next one on the list. Um, A lot of fun. The only thing I will say. and it's tied into the other Lego game I've been playing. Is what they've done when cause you've got a hub world and it's like Gotham and you have to go around and you have to get all these bricks using different characters and different techniques. They made the flying a pain in the ass. Oh right. In the hub world, and what they, I thought, why why have they done this and what have they done? Because. I started playing Lego Marvel Superheroes, and the flying in that was amazing. Mm. You know, you, you control it as you would do almost like a fighter. You've, you know, you freeform control. Yeah. And what they've done with 
um, in Lego Batman 2, in particular on the hub world, not in the story levels, they made you use like, yeah, you're controlling a cursor. Hmm? Yeah, you're moving this cursor around, and so it, it controls the flying characters. Like, so you push it down, it, it sort of goes down. It is an absolute ball ache when you try to get all these bricks. Okay, control this cursor, I mean, it sort of controls the flying um, character, and that's the only thing you know. I would say it's just been a ball ache that it's taken a lot longer due to that control. Yeah, I, I think actually the hub world in that game is what killed my enthusiasm, Stone mm. Dead, for the Lego games for a number of months. That's I, I don't think I've played. In terms of like their release order, I'm not even mm. sure. I've, I've yeah. played a later one. I've, I've got the Lord of the Rings, like I've said before, on PS3 to play through. That might have come out after that, I think. But that's that's mm. pretty much it, yeah. Because I, I just yeah. found it so arduous, even finding the next story mission. Yeah. Like, well, by having to navigate to the marker to, to unlock its like, you know, like the uh, little pre-cut scene before the level begins. Yeah. You have to do all that. I just wanted yeah. to push a button yeah. and get there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that. Well, it, it has been a pain in the ass. I thought, oh, but I've got my quest, you know, get 100% in all Lego games. But <laughs> it, I've almost stopped it a few times just because of using these flying characters and then having to trace how you get these gold bricks. So, yeah. I mean, Kev, you've played Lego Batman 2, haven't you? Yeah, I've, um, I've not got as far as you, though, because I've not got mm. as far as the hub world. I've, I've done, um, I would say, the first two, three, four bits of story, you know, mm. and um, I've got past a boat chase and stuff like that. So I've not got as far as opening up. But, oh yeah, I've actually thinking about it because mm. dr- you have to drive around, don't you? In the Batman. Yeah, you have to drive yeah. around. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's just completely lost me. Yeah. But you've pl- you've played um, Lego Batman Three though as well. Haven't I've you, completed Kev? that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because isn't isn't that a lot better? Oh, it's in fantastic. Terms of that yeah. Has, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. They got their heads around it. I it's, think I might go to that next. Then. Yeah. You know, it seems like they've really got their heads around it because they've it sounds like they've listened to what everybody's been saying about these hub worlds because I know that you've been playing Marvel superheroes as well haven't you Andy yeah and that just does my tits in can't do that at all you've got New York as your hub world that's insane it takes you forever yeah (laughs) it's just no (laughs) thanks but no thanks but uh, with Dimensions, you just jump from one portal to the next. You know, you're there within seconds. Well, Marvel Superheroes, like I said, they're starting to have sorted out with flying technique. And all I've done with it with it so far is just play through the main storyline with my brother. Yeah. But I really enjoyed that. I thought like she's one of the better, probably one of the best storylines up to now that I've played <laughs> <laughs> of Lego it's, it is really a lot of fun and I, but I do know that there's a shitload of characters there's absolutely yeah loads I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. to unlock yeah, yeah. they're yeah. really well implemented though the characters I'll give them that they, mm. they, they've used the um, unique powers really well you know when you're actually doing puzzles and stuff on that it's yeah one, when you go back into free roam mode you've really got to mm. think about it it's good yeah I mean I've noticed we're even playing through the campaign the implemented powers are a lot better than Lego Batman yeah because I know they've got the DC um, power character superheroes and I don't think they've used or been quite as creative as I have in Marvel so I've enjoyed Marvel and that'll be my next one to 100% oh good luck with that one <laughs> that's massive <laughs> well speaking of Lego stuff um, I've finally finally completed the story mode of Dimensions <laughs> <laughs> I've just well got to do a hundred percentage, and then that's it. I'm done. I've got three 
I think it's three, uh, no, two, sorry, two achievements to do. Uh, one of which is going through the portal level in less than 20 minutes, which is going to be an absolute grind. <laughs> Not looking forward to that because that's a really hard level. <laughs> I, I admire you two's p- persistence, you know, like make sure you do finish off these games. Yeah, <laughs> you've really got... <laughs> I'm, I'm like story mode credits, that's it. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I jumped into Splatoon for a bit over the weekend to uh, get involved in the in the Splatfest. Uh, oh, of rusty. course, yeah. Yeah. How did that go? <laughs> um, I'm a bit rusty. I haven't played it for uh, two or three weeks, um, so it took me a couple of games to feel my way back into it. And I thought everything was going quite well, going by Twitter chat and uh, what people were saying in the in the. Um, the subreddit for, for Splatoon, most people seem to have picked uh, Pokemon Red. And all the games that I was involved in, we seem to be doing quite well, and you only lost a few of them. Uh, but then when the final results came in, uh, most people had picked Pokemon Red, but Pokemon Blue absolutely trounced us. <laughs> so um, so the, the, the better players picked Blue. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, yeah, the, be- the better players went for Pokemon Blue, and they, they brought their A game, obviously, and... and uh, must have won, they, but it was quite a significant margin in the percentage of games they won as well. Um, especially considering far more people picked red than blue. But the, the, if you've never played uh, the Splatfests, it's it, it just takes Splatoon to another level. The entire it turns the entire hub world into a bit of a party area. There's like a, a, a live show go being done by the um, I can't remember the names, Callie and something. The two announcers. Uh, and, and it, oh yeah, is this like um, sort of TV hosts or something? Yeah, yeah, the hosts. Is it like who, a TV show or like the sports commentators? Well, every yeah. time you boot up the game, uh, and every two hours uh, as you're playing, uh, you'll get an announcement from from uh, the two news hosts who give the uh, the Incopolis news to tell you what which two maps have been moved into the rotation and whatnot. Mm. Um, and they take up the leaders of the two sides of the Splatfest, and so they get when Splatfest happens it's uh, all the maps and the hub world becomes at night time and there's, there's fireworks explosions in the sky which turn into the um, the Neverse doodles that people have done but presented in the sky as fireworks uh, and they're on these uh, stages performing some uh, crazy J-pop song um, <laughs> and then you go into the, the actual uh, fights themselves and it's like just having the actual courses at night uh, completely transforms them and the the battles become even more fast-paced and frenetic than they usually are um, because people I guess people feel like they're fighting for a course instead of just <laughs> having fun um, uh, yeah it was it was great fun it was a shame we lost it's the, it's the first uh, Splatfest I've lost out of the, the four that I've got involved in um, yeah that was good fun and then on Sunday um, my girlfriend tried out Super Mario Maker for the first time uh, she's not much of a Mario player uh, and she'd never touched Super Mario Maker before but as, apart from needing a little bit of help with uh, some of the mechanical aspects like P-switches and power blocks and things like that um, she ended up making over the course of about two and a half hours the most frustratingly difficult uh, puzzle level uh, based around um, Samus from Metroid. I used the the, the Samus skin uh, that you get by using the uh, the Samus amiibo. Um, and considering she'd never really, she, I don't think she's ever played a Metroid game before either. Mm-hmm. She made a level that was kind of in 
in keeping in the spirit with, of yeah. yeah in the spirit of Metroid as well uh, with lots of hidden passages and um, having to double back and it's full of puzzles and, and whatnot and um, it's crushingly difficult the only reason I managed to get through it is because I'd seen her make it so I knew where the secrets were but uh, <laughs> I checked the stats earlier today and about 20 odd people had had a go at it so far nobody's been able to finish it yet <laughs> yeah, you'll so. have to send it over to, uh, to to Jack and I think Ryan might also have Mario Maker as well yeah yeah, yeah. I picked it up last week as well for a real sweet deal so I'm, I'm definitely going to have a go as soon as I can get back into the swing of playing platformers yeah I definitely recommend giving it a try um, it's going to frustrate you and I'm sworn to secrecy so I can't tell you what the secret to get through the level easily <laughs> is <I'm afraid>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll have to uh, upload a video oh no you can't obviously because of Nintendo content but I was going to say you have to upload a video of you completing it to YouTube <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it will get content ID'd again so I'll avoid that yeah, the- yeah I, I haven't <laughs> Um, tried the uh, Mario Maker myself yet, but I am curious because of the the intrinsic, um, I guess, like educational value I can see in it. In the sense of you'd be able to um, allow your, like, you know, my son or younger gamers to to try out a platformer without the frustration of kind of dying every like straight away because you're obviously populating the environment with your own obstacles and enemies. Mm, so yeah. You can kind of make them, you know, you could tailor it to their their ability at that at that at that point, and I could really see how that would sort of fuel their enthusiasm to you know to want to be playing it and trying it more rather than you know obviously give up if they walk into the first Goomba like instantly every <laughs> time <laughs> um, yeah you, you can make the levels as easy or as difficult as you want uh, and the actual act of just sitting there and putting the level together is surprisingly relaxing and um, quite cathartic as well especially when you, when you manage to finish the level and then complete it because you've got to be able to play through it yourself to to uh, you've got to be able to finish the level before you can upload it mm. uh, but just sitting there and, and relaxing on the sofa with, with the tablet you don't even have cause, because it, it works on the tablet and just mirrors it on the TV you can have something on in the background on the TV and just sit there and just fiddle away on a level for, for a couple of hours it's it's great fun is yeah. this where you have to un- do you have to un- play through the game to unlock more building material is it um, yeah it starts you with quite a limited set um, and then the more levels you create and the more tools you use it'll give you the next lot of equipment and then the next lot and it'll unlock a different version of Mario so you've got like Super Mario Brothers Super Mario Brothers 2 um, uh, Super Mario World and new Super Mario Brothers Wii U um, the, the, the ones that, the different types of Mario you can right. use uh, and the way that it does that is like a lot of people were frustrated that it didn't give you everything at once but I can kind of see why they did it the way they did because it, it forces you to, to work with the tools you're given at, f- at first so you get mm. used to using those tools and you get used to the different the because um, Mario games kind of get criticised for the fact that each Mario is just kind of the same with a different paint job on it but there well, are the new Mario series yeah. definitely was suffering from some of that towards the end but then there are there are very slight but very important mechanical differences between the different Marios like uh, being able to jump off walls wall jump in uh, new Super Mario Brothers uh, Wii U and things like that um, mm. so the, the, the fact that it drip feeds you the, the content means that you get used to these elements a bit at a time so that by the time you finally unlocked everything, you know how everything works and how to put it together and how to create a, a good a good level. Yeah, no, it sounds like a, a winning formula. Hmm. Is it better than Little Big Planet? So is it similar? Uh, oh, it's much better than Little Big Planet. 
hmm. uh, specifically because you've got the 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 tablet controller. Right. You've got you've got the screen there, and you can just you just work on that with the stylus and drag yeah. and drop and move right. things around. Whereas trying to uh, trying to create a Mario level using just a controller would would be an absolute nightmare, I imagine. And, and it, yeah, would have the same problem that uh, Little Big Planet had. Plus, um, a Little Big Planet had some interesting ideas, uh, and you can play with physics and things like that. But you can do a surprising amount in. Um, Super Mario Maker. I haven't seen any footage of it yet, uh, but there was news a couple of weeks ago about how someone has made a working calculator in Super Mario Maker. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> um, I'll try and find the the video for it and post it up on our, on our Twitter feed. But it sounds interesting. To counteract the cuteness of Lego and Skylanders, I decided to. Um, be a cop and save the world well not save the world be in the middle of a battle so the first one where I was a cop was um, Battlefield Hardline when it first got announced it looked interesting in, uh, it's by is it Viscaril Games who did Dead Space so that piqued me interest um, but I was never going to pay full price for it and so like a good bargain hunter I picked it up for 12 quid <laughs> uh, you never do pay full <laughs> price <laughs> I try it I've just pre-ordered um, Warhammer Total War Warhammer for a hundred pounds. Um, the special oh edition. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that yeah. back. <laughs> but yeah, I picked it up for a couple, uh, twelve quid um, from Amazon again, just to see what it was like. I wasn't too bothered about the multiplayer, but I just wanted to just play through the storyline. I can see why people were complaining about it. You play a cop, and is it you got a partner? But it's very generic. There's betrayals. You get together with the enemy, you get put in prison, then you come back to kill the guy. And it's just so dull as a game. Mm. And it's really surprising after this grill, what we did with Dead Space 1 and 2, and 3, you know, it wasn't a bad storyline with 3. It was just, you know, they seemed to have changed the gameplay on that. But this one's just so generic, it's so boring. The character is dull, who you play. Um, it is an FPS, it seems to have gone backwards. And there's nothing to it as a game as such. I, f- I was f- playing it, I was thinking, you know, even if it made a, like Battlefield Bad Boys, at least, because that's what it felt like, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> but without the ba- without Will Smith and um, Mar- is it Martin Sheen? Not Martin Lawrence. Lawrence Ma- Martin Lawrence. I wish yeah. it was Martin Sheen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a film waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least you'd have some banter, and you go through explosions, and the wor- you know you're basically tearing up Miami, and nothing's happening. Mm. The world is very empty. There's not a lot going on. It was like you seem to be walking through Miami and no one else lives there. It's like another apocalypse um, type of game, but you know, everything's still standing. It's just very, very dull as a game. So, yeah, I completed that. Played a multiplayer game, got killed a few times, and I said, That's it. <laughs> I did enough of that. <laughs> and the other one um, was It's Kills on Mercury on the Vita. Mm. Oh, I really want to play this, yeah. yeah. We got given that, didn't we, on PS Plus yeah. at some yeah, point, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I've, so, I've had it in the pile, so yeah, go yeah. ahead and look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, um, well, over weekend I went to Ireland just for a wedding with my wife, her sisters, her cousins, so it was about 15, 15 of us trooped over to Ireland. Um, and she's got two sisters so Saturday morning I was left with about four hours of <laughs> nothing much to do really when the, pub, when the pub's not open 
I was even, I was staying at a farm in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> oh God! So Saturday morning it was quite. So I made sure I took my, took my Vita. So I was just like, right, what can I play out? So I killed Zone. I thought, right, I'm gonna play through this, and it, it is remarkably really good. Mm. So you play as a mercenary in the middle of the ISA Hellgast War. You start off on one side, and then you get betrayed again. Funny that you go for the highest money fight on the other side, but you, the storyline is very basic, pretty much. You know, it's just like uh, hang on for the levels to for you to play through the levels. I have to say, the graphics are unbelievable. You know, for a Vita, it really does show off the power of a Vita, and they've implemented some interesting controls. So, you know, if you want to change your weapons. You just have to tap on that little icon on the screen, it'll change your weapon. If you want to use a hand grenade, tap the hand grenade icon. If you want to open a box um, of goodies, you can press that. If you want to run, you tap the back of a Vita. And if you want to um, kill a person with melee, um, you can creep up to them and it'll ask you to swipe an arrow, so swipe left, right, or diagonally to either kill them or interrogate them. So the control system's really well. The levels are short about half an hour or so to completion so it is a, they've broken the, the game down really well and they've understood the type of person who's going to play this you know men have a lot of time and made use of a Vita suspend system so that was quite useful as a FPS it's good you know like I said the storyline is nothing to you know swing home about and what's one of the things that really gets annoying is they keep ha- the voice of the person you are working for keeps hammering in onto the game so if you're not straight away finding, for example, I had difficulty finding this little boy. Couldn't find him anywhere. And all it kept going was, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> like, oh, it's an, an audio loop, yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> shut up. Just like, you know. Keep... You didn't put a bullet in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of that, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's very much like the way the game looks and plays that's attracted to me. Yeah. Know? Because I'm not, you know, as we've said previously, when we did the... Um, uh, God, I forget the name now. Was it what was it, Gunslinger? Yeah, yeah, Gunslinger. yeah. yeah so not Colorado. massive for, for FPS uh, fan, but no, that that one just I've only ever heard people say good things about it. Even people that are not really like massively into Killzone, mm. they're yeah. just talking about it in terms of being a a, um, a handheld uh, based um, FPS. You know, like a game specifically designed ground up to offer a console like experience. You know, that holy grail we always hear yeah. uh, on a handheld. But yes, yeah, so that's great that it kind of delivers on that. I must yeah. get to it. It does. It is worth playing. You know, it won't take you long to complete. Maybe four or five hours. Oh, you are talking to me now. The times oh, yeah. that you know multiply that by ten. <laughs> All right. Maybe. So we're talking about Lego dimension type of um, <laughs> <Yeah>. hours. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is worth. It is you, you know you'll get a lot out of it. You know, and you'll see the power of Vita, and you'll be like, oh, I wish. I, I understand. You know, there's a lot of Japanese role players, and it's got a wide variation of games. But you wish sometimes you see this power what the Vita has, you think it should be a better um, success story than it actually is. Yeah, but it's become very much like an indie game plan, yeah. which I'm yeah. not knocking because I love I love those games. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like it's uh, the there was obviously some tentpole releases like the prequel to uh, Uncharted. Um, yeah. What's that called? Golden, Golden Abyss. Abyss. Yeah, Golden Abyss. That's it. Yeah. So again, you know that that really did a lot of things. Um, in terms of like bringing a, a really kind of like full experience to a handheld, but you're right, those releases dried up very quickly, um, yeah. and it ha- and it has just become the home 
full kind of you know it's, it's almost like a little steam machine in your pocket yeah. anyway well multiplayer was good in it i've had a game of multiplayer um that's a lot of fun um all in all i mean if you've got it on ps plus it is worth a bash you know you'll get a lot of it i mean like i says you won't have any trouble remembering what the storyline is so you can play it one week and then forget about it for a couple of weeks and come straight back to it so it's not like one of those you i need to focus on the storyline and be thing but if you've got a spare half an hour or something or you're on a bus or a train or you're waiting for your wife and sisters to get ready <laughs> then yeah highly recommended I've played a, a, a fair chunk of this myself um, over the mm. past year or so, but I, I barely touched the story, to be honest. I mostly concentrated on it's um, got one feature that's sadly lacking from most modern shooters, that holy grail of modern games, bot matches. So um, I've been playing quite a lot of, uh, of, of bot matches whenever I've not had Wi-Fi connection to play the actual multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, it, it's a first-person shooter that actually works on those twiddly little sticks yeah, on the uh, on the Vita, which is uh, you can't really say for a lot of other games. Whenever I, I played a little bit of Borderlands Two when they ported mm. that over to Vita, and it was awful, and um, I've played a bit of Destiny uh, via remote play on it, and, and again you can't really play that properly because the sticks just no. don't work very well for that sort of shooter. But with Killzone Mercenary, it works fine. Yeah, it's, it is a. Should be should have been a showcase game mm. for you know to show off what it can achieve. Wasn't that one of the early you games know. for it anyway? I'm sure that was one of the launch games when um, the Vita first came out. I might be completely uh. off base there, but was, it makes I, sense if it was because I think Killzone has been a um, launch game as it yeah. on the consoles as yeah. well. Yeah, so that one came out in 2000 uh, at the end of 2013. Oh, All right. right, so it was a, a little so, off yeah. release, but um, yeah, yeah. I don't think it had much fanfare when it came out but that's probably more to do with the fact that no. not that many people have got Vitas really yeah it just, no. just feels like it's been around for years that's all yeah know. well it's been strange yeah. it's been around for a couple of years yeah yeah it's also if you think about it, the mercenary storyline hasn't really been done in any, any of these big franchises you know Halo you you're not really a mercenary no one else so this just puts you slap bang in the middle of a war so that was interesting <laughs> So over the weekend, I played uh, a bit of the the division. Uh, again, it came back for the open beta this time, so everybody got access to it for um, over the period of the weekend. And I think it was uh, available for an extra day on Xbox One uh, because they've got that Microsoft exclusivity. Um, there was slightly more in it this time than there was last time. Uh, not a huge amount. There was one extra mission, uh, and the world felt a little bit more populated uh, than it did before. Uh, and the Dark Zone had a lot more players in it than it did before, but just by the virtue of it being an open beta. I haven't really got a huge amount to say about that that I didn't say before, but um, that is a fun game, um, and I will be picking it up um, at launch, so I'll have a little bit more to say about it when the final game's out. But I've got some footage recorded uh, from playing over the weekend, so I'll have that up on the YouTube by the time this episode comes out. The only other game really I've been playing is... um, my girlfriend got me uh, Yoshi's Woolly World on the uh, Wii U. Oh, yay! Yeah, <laughs> I really um, want to play this one. <laughs> oh, it's a lovely game. She got me the, the pack with the um, the Yarn Yoshi Amiibo, um, which is a, a lovely little uh, knitted Yoshi model. Um, actually, the Amiibo that works with all pretty much all of the games I've got, apart from Splatoon, uh, it works with Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, and Super Mario Maker, as well as uh, Yoshi's Woolly World. Um, but the game itself is 
one of the prettiest games I've played on that platform. Um, everything yeah, is rendered. It it's, it's gorgeous. Everything is rendered so to make it look like it's made out of wool or felt or, or various different types of fabric. Um, I haven't played any single player. We were just playing the uh, the two player co op. Um, but it's you, it's just like a, a little two D but you know rendered in three dimensions sort of um, platformer where you you're running around a, a woolly world as the title uh, <laughs> suggests as Yoshi um, you collect balls of yarn that you then throw at enemies to, 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 to damage them or, or, or to tie them up and then you can jump on them uh, you can pull apart the world by tugging on threads to, to reveal secret little areas well this is um, this is good feel isn't it is that the developer because they did um was it Kirby's Epic Yarn and um, the Wario Shake Dimension, didn't they, for Wii? Mm. Yeah, I haven't played uh, either of those games, so I can't say... Oh, they, well, they are brilliant. Yeah. They're, really, they're really well designed and they look great. Like Obviously, they're very different aesthetic, but um, they just know how to make brilliant platformers, I would say, that can kind of rival... You know the best of Nintendo's output because I think mm. isn't Yoshi traditionally like somewhere in the middle in terms of difficulty? They're more like exploration yeah. platformers. You've got like Donkey Kong on the you know Donkey Kong Country on the kind of harder oh, hardcore end of the two D <laughs> platform, and then you've got Kirby all the way obviously on the other side, which is mm. much more um, you know easier, I guess. So yeah, I'm intrigued to play. I haven't played a Yoshi game for ages, probably since the um, what was the one on? Was it SNES? Like. Yoshi's Island, I think, was probably the, the last one I played. <laughs> the and that was with brilliant. Uh, Baby Mario. Was that the yeah, one where you carried Baby did. Mario around? Yeah. Well, they remade it, didn't they, mm. for the they DS? Did. Yeah. They? yeah, that's where I played it on. I played it on DS. Yeah, I think that's where I played it as well, yeah. So, no, uh, it did, say, I've, this this one looks brilliant, I must admit. Yeah, it's lovely. It's just like you go through these these little levels trying to, to collect uh, enough pieces of, uh, enough bundles of yarn to be able to put together... Um, the various other Yoshis from the the Woolly Island that have been stolen by um, Bowser's minions at the beginning of the game, but then there are, as with most Nintendo platformers, a dozen or so different collectibles that you've got to be able to get all of in each level to be able to get a hundred percent. And um, you don't need to hundred percent it to get through, but my OCD dictates that <laughs> I have to get everything in all of the levels. So um, yeah. <laughs> I've only gotten through the first world so far, and I still can't progress from that because I need to go back and get all the collectibles before I feel comfortable <laughs> moving on. Mark, um, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's lovely, and the integration with Amiibo is quite nice as well because you go into the little Amiibo tent and you, you pop your Amiibo on, on the the controller, and it will make a knitted Yoshi in the style of whichever character you do. So like uh, the villager from uh, Animal Crossing or Pac-Man or um, or Samus or Charizard. And then there's different patterns, different versions of uh, Yoshi that you'll get, like one that's made to look like a cow uh, and uh, <laughs> so on. Yeah, <laughs> the Moo Moo Yoshi. Um, it's just, so, it's a word that's overused, but it is so charming. Um mm. It's not particularly difficult. I imagine it probably will get a little bit more difficult later on. We're playing on the standard mode. There is an easy mode that they call mellow mode, which gives Yoshi wings so you can make some of the jumps a little bit easier. But even playing on normal mode, it's not been that been that challenging. Uh, and the co-op is, is great fun as well because if one person falls to their death, then you've got the other person there to be able to revive them straight away. Very, very good game. Um, I'll speak more about it once I've actually played some more, but like I said, I've only played through the first world and I don't know how many there are. But uh, there's, uh, apparently there's about 12 to 15 hours worth of content in there if you don't 100% it. So I'll come back and speak to that, uh, speak about that later. 
picture the scene. All right, you're a Hollywood exec. You've just seen Wreck-It Ralph take nearly 500 million. And then someone walks in and they sell you a story about aliens invading the world with a twist. The twist is, it's going to be Pac-Man, Centipede, and all the classic 80s video games invading the world. The aliens have mistook our messages, what we sent out in the 80s, as a threat, you know? So we declared war. You think, great, sounds good, sounds interesting. You look around, you see retro is massive. Everybody's getting into the retro action. Pac-Man's everywhere. People buying Pac-Man t-shirts, cups, merchandise, etc. Amiibo. Amiibo. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, hmm. Okay, who's going to star in it? <laughs> Adam Sander, you think. <sighs> ah, but you think, but, but you, yeah, but you think, hold on. He was, he, he's bankable. He did do Happy Gilmore. He did do Billy Madison. That was a long time a ago. A long time ago. <laughs> yeah. He also did Punch Drunk Love, he can act. Oh my god, I love that film. He also did Rain, is it Rain Over Me? You know, the 9 11? He didn't do anything Ooh. after the wedding singer, oh, alright? <laughs> Let's just block it out. <laughs> oh yeah, the wedding singer. And then, hmm, Chris Columbus directing. Hold on, he did Home Alone. It's quite good <laughs> comedy. His producer of um, various hit films such as The Goonies, etc. He also did Harry Potter, first two Harry Potter films. You've got, you've got a hit. What a twist, what a great idea. Here's $90 million. And out it comes. And it stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an abomination. Oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, you don't need to. You really don't need to. Uh, <laughs> but they have, it starts off with such a great premise. And it, conti- it has some great ideas going in it, you know, throughout the film. But it's the in-between moments when the aliens are invaded that it's really poor Adam Sandler. I, you know, I don't know why you feel about it. I mean, you've seen it, Mac. But I think I thought the idea of aliens invading and using the 80s um, video games was a great idea. But I also love the Pac-Man sequence, you know, and using minis as the ghosts, you know, how they use New York as the grid. So it moves around with that. Great idea. It, and, you know, the great execution, but everything around it it's rubbish. It is really, really poor. And, I mean, some of it you can stretch reality, but some of it you got Adam Sandler walking in shorts at the White House, walking into an important meeting where we're discussing the scene early invasion. Just walks in like it's like his home. It is ludicrous in so many forms. Poor scripting, poor jokes. But the starting point was a great idea. And I just can't believe how they missed a Shaw hit and misfired it so much. Well, it was based on a short film um, that was quite well, well received from back in 2010. And, uh, and I think it was um, yeah. probably quite heavily influenced by, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode of Futurama, uh, where Professor Farnsworth has a, creates a what-if machine. And, no, um, no. Uh, Fry asks it, what if, uh, what if video games were, were real life? And they get invaded by by space invaders basically um oh, right. and i that it, pixels was just nothing and that little short uh, episode mm. the like, segment of an episode of futurama was so much better than 90 minutes of adam sandler not being funny <laughs> and yeah the, the, i hated it from as soon as i heard the the, the the who was in it i mean kevin james as the president come on kevin yeah. james as the president <laughs> 
Um, the science doesn't hold up either because uh, the the basic premise is they send out a probe um, with bits of, of human um, yeah. uh, culture in it and it gets sent out and then the um, aliens come back and mimic what they've seen to, to invade us. But at the time this particular yeah. probe was sent out, none of these video games have been invented. So the science doesn't hold up either. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But you like, it is, but you know, I don't know how you felt about the Batman thing, but the Donkey Kong sequence at the end was quite enjoyable. The sequences are fun, but as a whole, it's poor. Well, clearly they obviously had those set pieces, didn't they? They come up with yeah. those set pieces first and then they just were lazy in terms yeah. of padding it out by the sounds of it. And I could imagine the cast phoned it in and just saw it as a paycheck, but I, I shouldn't really pass comment anymore because I, I haven't seen it. And I know actually at least one uh, friend thought it was nowhere near as bad as what everyone made out. So you know, maybe there is people who are lukewarm. I don't know if any, there's actual fans, but maybe some people didn't think it was mm. quite the dog that everyone suggested. <laughs> well, lazy kind of sums up everything Adam Sandler's done for the last decade or so. <laughs> So, on with the news. Uh, first piece is uh, provided by Lee. Do you want to start us off? Yeah, so I, I felt bad that obviously you're our main news hound and uh, Kevin and I in particular just haven't got a clue. We don't even, <laughs> don't even keep up to date with it at all. Actually, you know, doing the podcast with you, that's where I get my news. <laughs> so you're doing a great service for us lapsed gamers. But uh, I thought I'd, I'd better actually have a look today. So um, I don't know if you've noticed that They've obviously got it tying in with this um, Miyamoto app that's coming in March that we we did mention or scratch our heads about previously. They have now opened up the Nintendo account sign-up system or like pre-registration for Miyatomo, uh, whatever it's called. But I mean, uh, although Miyatomo now looks slightly more interesting than it did originally, uh, and this is an article from Eurogamers, and I'm sure people are already aware of it, but I guess what's more intriguing for me is that the new account system is now you know starting to come uh, to life and we can kind of sign up and make an account i think there's like a variety of ways you can do it but i guess the most straightforward would be just to use your nintendo id to you know link pull over all your kind of whatever data they mine from your nintendo id will be carried over into this new account system and uh yeah hopefully this means that there might be some uh perks that nintendo will bring in along the way i think they say something about you're going to get some platinum points if you pre-register for miyatomo so what this currency will end up being i don't know but i mean if it's any way of having a perk of having something like um a discount of a digital title of off the eShop, then i'm all for it and um i've also heard rumors that there's talk about having sort of sort of milestones i don't know whether they mean in-game sort of achievements it's probably more likely to be go to the eShop, you know download miyatomo i think it's going to be things like more to do with um interacting with nintendo's products rather than actually playing through a single game but i might be wrong if there's one for you know game completion and there's some way of doing that that'd be fantastic but i just don't i'm not really sure nintendo kind of see it in that way but yeah did anyone has anyone set up an account or anything yet? yeah yeah it, it was quite a doddle as well it only took me two and a half bloody hours <laughs> well, i did try but the website was just like overloaded when i tried so i've kind of given it a few days to settle down but you you've managed to do it all right have you 
I think so. <laughs> Still not 100% because every time I'd go through the process, it'd go, yeah, you sorted, you'll get an email. It's like, okay, oh, right, thanks. Yeah, it probably won't be instantaneous. It, uh, it never seems to be with Nintendo. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, so, so from this um, Eurogamer article, this is written by Tom Phillips. He he goes through like and actually gives you screen captures of Miyatomo, and there does seem to be actually more to that app than originally meets the eye, but he has written that... Um, you can earn these platinum points and gold points uh, by interacting with and buying Nintendo games, apps or services, and then use them on future discounts. So, you know, that, that does sound promising. Mm. Um, and I'd like to see, you know, obviously where that goes when we get more details on Miyatomo itself. Um, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be that you design and create a me and that kind of becomes your avatar for sort of social interaction like another social media platform but there's lots of kind of uh you know typically cutie nintendo aspects to the game oh sorry the app where you know you can put your me in photographs and i think you know you could actually upload photographs of yourself and your family with your me characters interacting you know just sort of like fun fluff i guess but i'm sure there will be uh, more uh creative uses for it and we'll we'll find out more as we go forward but uh, i think possibly i was too quick to dismiss it last time i'm sure i'll you know pre-register and have a play around with it but whether it has any staying power um i doubt it but it's free to start as they say you know i'm sure you have to buy things to decorate your me and stuff inside the app but um i'll leave that for the suckers (laughs) (laughs) well like mark said a couple of weeks ago it just looks like it's gonna be home it's nintendo's version of playstation's home yeah (laughs) <laughs> it could be, yeah. And uh, so the only sort of other thing that I, I was aware of is that, um, you know, we had that kind of line of reduced titles uh, that Nintendo called, I think they dubbed them Selects this time round. They've done it on like, other platforms before um, where, you know, they've sort of full retail games get reduced in price. So I think over here I can remember... Um, what was the the 3DS Zelda that did really well? A Link Between Worlds, is that the one? Like really quite critically acclaimed. I know that went down to like half price as, as part of this select series in the UK. And there was actually the Yoshi's New Island, the 3DS kind of iteration on the Yoshi franchise. You know, we were talking about the platform earlier. So they're, they're saying that, I don't know, I think it's either from... Uh, I thought originally it was from data mining, but it's actually from um, a Canadian website, Video Games Plus. So this is taken from Gamer Pro's website. And Michael Spiteri uh, is saying that, you know, they put up like a, a posting of what the games were going to be. And that's obviously going to be um, for North America. So some of these titles might not necessarily be correct for us, but they are. it's, it's just like possible evidence of the fact that there's going to be more titles coming in this selects range which is great for me because there's still loads of games on 3ds um in particular that i want to pick up like i believe donkey kong country returns 3d might be one of these and uh, from the very small amount that i've played of donkey kong country tropical freeze that will definitely be a game that uh, i want to pick up on the handheld um but yeah the whole the kind of like full list of titles is on um the uh, the game of a game of pro game of professional sorry website and uh yeah that's that's good news if they are going to reduce some more of the uh you know the, the great games for us to get a cheaper price are these actually going to be physical copies or is it just on download no no it'll be both yeah so it'll be on on the e-shop as well as the yeah. like physical copy oh that's where what that's what the pattern has been yeah previously um so but it's because like the player's this, choice yes yeah because yeah. these got pulled um 
Yeah, that, the, the player's choice, exactly, which is with the equivalent of what was on the GameCube. That's right, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. this again. Uh, but again, I don't know, because they've even listed some, in this article, they've listed some Wii games, and I'm I'm not sure they'd still be bothering to reduce Wii games, <laughs> no. particularly as they've brought Wii games over to the you know, the virtual console on the Wii U. Yeah, and they've shut all servers down for all Wii games anyway, so that makes no sense. They have, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, well, as I say, it's one to keep an eye on because I think Pikmin 3 um, is being mentioned as a possible one to be reduced on the Wii nice. U, and if they do that, I would definitely say pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would do it anyway. I've got the first two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so that, that's just, that's me done, Mark. So over to you, Spence. <laughs> Uh, my first uh, news story comes from Kotaku. Um, they're reporting that Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro appeared together at uh, Dice 2016 uh, early this month. Worst karaoke night ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The legendary video game creator Hideo Kojima and beloved film director Guillermo del Toro joined forces at Dice 2016 to deliver a keynote hosted by Jeff Keighley. Uh, Kojima and del Toro have been good friends for a number of years, uh, and so they discussed their shared love for anime, cinema. Uh, video games, toys, uh, all aspects of, of geek culture. It's a very, very good um, interview. I mean, I, I could watch uh, or listen to Guillermo del Toro talk about films and and TV shows and comic books for, for hours on end. I love listening to listening to him talk about the things he's passionate about. Um, one of my personal highlights from it was was seeing del Toro talk about how the Psycho Mantis fight from the original Black Gate Solid made quite an impact on him and ended up quite heavily influencing the character of uh, Cronin from uh, the first Hellboy film. Um, and Kojima also, Kojima was asked outright by Jeff Keighley at one point how he feels, how free he feels working now under Sony as compared to working with uh, Konami. Uh, and he said he, he's, he's, he hasn't felt this happy in a long time and, and he feels very free uh, to be able to create the things that he wants to create it's definitely worth watching that interview it's about uh, an hour or so long they they both have both del toro and kojima share quite a similarity not just in the things that they that they like but also in the way that they operate del toro i've always thought is like the the polar opposite of someone like a michael bay in that there is absolutely no cynicism in anything he does like love or hate his films um, everything he creates, he does it because he's passionate about it. He doesn't do it because yep. he thinks he thinks it's going to make money. He does it because he has a genuine love for whatever he's creating. And I, you can say the same thing for Hideo Kojima as well. He doesn't make games to sell. They just happen to be very popular. He makes the games that he wants to make. Well, they're both uh, very divisive figures, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, next news story, uh, also from Kotaku, is that uh, Fallout 4 won Game of the Year at DICE 2016. Uh, Fallout 4 swept the awards at, at DICE this year, picking up Game of the Year, Outstanding Achievement of the Year and uh, in-game direction, and a role-playing slash massively multiplayer Game of the Year. The other notable winners uh, that night were Rocket League, Ori in the Blind Forest, and The Witcher 3, which all won uh, three awards each. And that brings us seamlessly into our next news story. Um, as reported by PlayStation Universe, Fallout 4 season pass is increasing in price. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> in an unprecedented move, mm. Bethesda are increasing the cost of the Fallout 4 season pass from $24.99 to $39.99. Uh, when the internet understandably reacted quite badly to this, Bethesda VP of PR and, and marketing, 
um, who's not doing a very good job, it seems, uh, Pete Hines, uh, took to Twitter to try and defend the move, uh, stating, We are making more than we planned, and we aren't going to continue to give uh, away $60 or more of DLC for $30. If you already have the season pass, you get everything for no increased cost. If you don't, you have weeks to get it for $30. The additional DLC after these three will be what brings the total to $60. Presumably there he's referring to the fact that they're planning to make more DLC than than they previously planned. Hmm. Uh, And then went to say, uh, you're free to buy the DLC individually if you don't like the season pass price. Quite sketchy. Which will probably be about £150. Yeah. Buying them separately. (laughs) Yeah, they've they've announced the individual prices and it, it, it even with the new price it does make sense to get the season pass but the fact that there uh, I don't I can't think of any time when a, uh, a game developer has decided to increase the price of a season pass after a game's Ooh. been on sale for a while Dying Light ah okay they did their they've just released a new expansion pack haven't they the following which is meant to be really twice as big as they initially thought I think they mm-hmm. increased the price oh right but then they've included it in a new release new retailer release so you can like almost buy a it's like a game of the year edition for all the DLC the following for about 40 quid but they increased the price of the season pass mm. I just think it's a really bad move yeah in many ways and coming out with what they're saying hasn't made things better I mean First of all, it suggests maybe, and this is my opinion, it's no one else's, that we didn't plan it. So we announced a season pass and we go, oh, it's going to be 25 quid. And here it is, without any planning, any thought of what it's going to be. Or they try to get away with a fast one, really. Mm. You know, and so you have a poor planning of have lied. Well, is it the game like long enough as it is? I mean, how many people who've owned it have actually played the, the actual content they've already got, you know, to its completion? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, how many people... Uh, this is what amazes me, that the DLC is always so popular for these games mm. um, when they're already incredibly long. I mean, I, I, can, I could totally uh, empathise if that, that is the game that you play and you put hours upon hours upon hours into that world and you don't want to leave it that and that's why dlc is fantastic to like extend you know i can can remember people singing the praises of dlc for games like mass effect and even um was it i think one of the bioshock games had a really kind of uh, Mm. well received piece of dlc so they can be just as good as the the games that they support but yeah it just amazes me that, that that they're getting into this so soon but i guess it's like if it's sold well when it's popular and it's getting critical acclaim they're they're going to follow it up and give the people what they want but it just amazes me i'll be i'd be genuinely surprised if the people that are either complaining about the price or you know are thinking about the dlc already have actually played the, the you know the source content mm. through to completion because isn't it a game that you, isn't it a game that you don't complete that yeah it would take hundreds and hundreds of hours to complete everything in Fallout 4 the same as it's been with previous Bethesda games but Bethesda games do tend to have a massively long tail and there are still people playing Skyrim and Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas uh, especially on PC with a healthy modding scene there um, and their DLCs in the past have been very well received but uh, it does seem, yeah, it does strike me like like you were saying, Andy, just very bad planning that they didn't realise that they were going to make more content than they planned for, and then have to put the price of the DLC up um, before quite a lot of people. I don't know many people who bought the season pass. 
somebody that's completely jaded speaking here um, <laughs> it's weird that the bit taken years to do Fallout 4 mm. well, it just suggests that it's ad hoc you know like like I said poor planning but hey you know we'll release a season pass we know we're going to release something we'll just charge them 25 quid we don't know what's in it you know they can, they can say it's going to feature this feature this feature that but and then they say this is a value mm. we put on it but that's that's what they put on it you know yeah, they've, yeah. Well, they've announced the stuff that they had previously planned they haven't announced what it is that they've got planned for the future that is yeah. causing the price increase so it, it's, it's a bigger topic than we're really going to get into yeah. into it today but I just think it's very partial on by Bethesda on by, of themselves and how they feel about maybe the actual customers yeah we might have to save uh, a longer discussion on season passes for a for a topic episode in the Mm. future so polygon reported that dice honored uh satoru wata with a lifetime achievement award uh at the the dice awards this year uh the former nintendo president satoru wata was honored at dice 2016 following his sad death last year at the age of 55 the award was accepted by Reggie Fizeme, uh, president of Nintendo America and frequent collaborator with Iwata-san on the always entertaining Nintendo Directs, who said, On behalf of Mr. Iwata's family and all of Nintendo, thank you for this Lifetime Achievement Award. Mr. Iwata has been gone for some time, but I still think about him almost every day. Uh, and I think that, that quite a lot of people who were touched by what he did at Nintendo um, it, or even people who don't have Nintendo consoles but just enjoy the Nintendo Directs do miss him dearly. Yeah, no, I think um, obviously it's always a very hard thing to, you know, f- on a tiny, you know, it's it's hard to come up with something, you know, to say in response to that. I know we obviously mentioned it nearer the time on the podcast, but I think, you know, it's, it's pleasing to see him kind of recognised and his legacy um, felt particularly, you know, in the industry that he, he dedicated so much of his life to. Mm. And uh, not to dwell on, obviously, the sadder aspects of the inevitable circle of life, um, I, I did notice also that um, Akira Sato uh, passed away. This was reported on the Nintendo Life uh, website. Damien McFerrin wrote the article. So he's written Japanese developer M2 has revealed that one of its key staff has sadly passed away following a battle with cancer. Akira Sato worked on the Sega 3D Classics range on 3DS as well as the Master System and Genesis Mega Drive emulators on the Wii Virtual Console. He was 43. Uh, M2 President uh, Noaki Hori sums up Sato-san's legacy best he lived his life with video games um and then of course you know i think we can echo the sentiments that uh, you know that um damien mcferrin goes on and says like our thoughts are with sato's family and colleagues at this difficult time and uh, he just kind of sort of highlights the fact that how well the 3d classics range uh, have been like a massive highlight on the 3ds eShop, you know offering the players the chance to experience some of sega's best titles in a new format offering 3d support standard and packed with bonus features several of the games have been bundled together in a retail collection and they're bringing that out in north america and uh, just having sort of played the 3d releases of games like space harrier and outrun they are just you know wonderful that's that is a real um boon for the 3ds i think eShop for any sort of gaming fan that is around a similar age to myself to be able to play those kind of classics of yesteryear on a handheld has been wonderful and obviously I I thank M2 and uh, you know all their staff and it's obviously sad to hear that they've lost someone so instrumental to them yeah 
bit of news from today. Uh, Monday, that Broforce has won the vote to play poll and will become a part of the PS Plus Instant Game Collection for March. It be Android Cactus and Action Hank. Um, only have to say, I've played a bit of Broforce. It's a four-player, what would you say, Contra type of um, game platform. Seems to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to enjoy that. Yeah, I've played a bit of that as well, and I'm looking forward to the, the PS Plus version, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as usual, I voted for Action Hank. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> True to form. <laughs> uh, so our final piece of news comes from uh, IGN, uh, that Microsoft was worried originally that Xbox Live Arcade would kill the console industry. Uh, Xbox Live Arcade creator Greg Kinesa gave an interview with IGN recently and said that when he originally pitched the Xbox Live Arcade uh, system to executives at Microsoft, they were not welcome to the idea. And he stated that there was a legitimate fear that Xbox Live Arcade was going to cannibalize retail sales and completely destroy the console industry, uh, which just goes to show how wrong video game executives can be sometimes about <laughs> the, the, the direction that video games are going in because Xbox Live Arcade did wonders for indie games coming onto uh, onto console platforms. If, if that hadn't come about, then I don't think we'd see the plethora of indie games we see at the moment on uh, on Microsoft platforms and on PlayStation and, and to a lesser degree on, on Nintendo as well. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That's right. Mm. That was very much like the the kind of the start of that, and it was a you know it's a, it's a seismic change uh, in the industry. But it's, it's sad that you often get these. It's things that happen in lots of different aspects of the media where the wrong um, the wrong things are targeted as like the vict- as the enemy. Sorry, of like you know the they're always worried about the bottom line and things affecting their profits. Whereas in actual fact, it's only done. It's only been of benefit to them. You know, in, yeah. in the long run, yeah. it's, uh, and it's the same with like you're saying about Nintendo and other companies targeting YouTubers for their kind of like safe use practices of um, you know licensed copyrighted material. I just it's so narrow minded. Like the more that people spread the word about these products, the more that people share an enthusiasm and passion for the hobby is only going to drive sales. And it just amazes me that Hollywood and you know game companies that they, the penny hasn't dropped. You know, they haven't died. They've not gone out of business since the advent of the internet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no matter what they might think. No, no, it might have been uh, played a part though for the botched launch of the Xbox One. All those features, you know, where they actually try to destroy retail. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, definitely. With the, the the failed plan to yeah try and kill off the used gaming market and whatnot. Yeah. Um, oh, that was ludicrous. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that, that that failed the same as I'm, I'm glad that any attempts to squash uh, Xbox Live Arcade failed because, I mean, before that, you mean, you had the Net Eurose games on uh, PlayStation back in the day. But apart from that, indie gaming didn't really get much of a look in on uh, on console. So mm. Xbox Live Arcade worked, did wonders for that. And, and I'm very glad that it did. Here, here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just a couple of bits of uh, listener feedback. Uh, we tweeted out earlier today, as uh, February 22nd, about how Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow will be arriving on 3DS Virtual Console. And so we asked people which Pokemon will they be taking from Professor Oak. 
So we had a couple of uh, of, of tweets uh, replying to that, um, and just to show that we know very little about Pokemon. Apparently, we're not sure which ones these are from. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mike Dixon at TestTube Twenty Seven and Jack Smith at Chronogenesis both said that they'll be picking Bulbasaur. Uh, Jack particularly said since I first picked up the game in 1999 the answer has always been and always will be Bulbasaur I don't remember which one he was in I always picked Charizard because I had Pokemon Red right so they don't the Pokemon are different then in each game I thought there was like a couple of exclusive ones but are are they not predominantly all crossover then or is that just am I, is that heresy to the Pokemon legions out there <laughs> I think there's a few yeah, yeah I think yeah. there's some crossover I think it's pretty sure like Charizard was exclusive to Pokemon Red Squirtle for Pokemon Blue and then Pikachu for Pokemon Yellow so it's like old rope money yeah you might as well be speaking a different language I've got no idea what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> might as well be talking about Skylanders <laughs> and uh, we had another uh, tweet from Stuart Garrard of the Renaissance Men podcast and he's just uh, tweeted us saying I've just got back into your show the latest news show was great stuff so obviously we appreciate Stuart's yeah, patience and for giving us uh, another go we've only just yeah. got back into the show ourselves this mm. is obviously apparent <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just another quick reminder that upcoming uh, our game pick nomination is the Grim Fandango Remastered. So uh, if you fancy playing through that and, and uh, playing along with us and getting involved with the podcast, then uh, get playing. We'll get that recorded at some yeah, point. Yeah, I need to months. get back to that. Yeah. Yep, I need to get back to that for yep. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking really good. And uh, if you've made it to the end of this episode, then congratulations. We've had some technical issues and Skype <laughs> has been playing up and recordings have dropped out. So if this episode sounds a little rougher than the last few have then uh, apologies for that but hopefully next week should be okay again as again if you'd like to uh, contact us then there are various forms you can get in contact with us via uh, you can email us at lapsedgamerradio at gmail.com uh, you can tweet at us at lapsedgamer and there's the uh, lapsedgamer radio facebook page we should have hopefully some content going up to the Laps Gamer YouTube channel at some point over the next few weeks as well so uh, be sure to look out for that and leave us your comments Yep, so if you've got any kind of questions or anything really that you'd like us to read out or discuss on the show, then do get in touch. Um, so I guess all it leaves us to say uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Yep, cheerio, people. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, bye. Yeah.